Depression is a motherfucker. But there is help out there. I urge you that if you are depressed and have thoughts of suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. And if that's not there, I'd also like to support the Trevor Foundation. You can find them at trevorfoundation.org. This is Nicholas Dye from Nowhere, California and the Ectopod. Remember, there is help out there, and you are not alone. You are now crossing over into the land of Nowhere, California. And if you enjoy your experience on this journey, you can find us by searching Nowhere, California on all the popular podcast players. You can even ask Alexa and just say, hey, Alexa, play Nowhere, California. And while you guys are there, give us a like or review. And if you really just can't get enough of us, you can find us on all the great popular social medias and our own website, NowhereCalifornia.com. Or you can email us, Nowhere underscore California at Yahoo.com. Last stop, Nowhere California, where ideas are everywhere and voices are nowhere. This is Josh. And from that silence, you can tell that this is one of those rare moments. I'm going to be rocking the mic solo. And this is Nowhere, California. Welcome back to Nowhere, California, all you cons. And if you're listening to this going, what the fuck are you calling me a con for? Listen to the previous episode. We explained it there. This episode is our 12th anniversary spectacular celebration, whatever you want to call it. But we are starting our 13th year. I always get not really frustrated but just kind of confused by the math of the situation i know it's like our 12th birthday but it's our start of our 13th year you can only imagine how much fun i am around my birthday but um with me flying solo on this one i'm going to try to delve in a lot of topics but the majority of the topics will delve around giving myself a cookie you're probably wondering what the hell that means too so here we go we've talked about our mental health struggles throughout a good portion of nowhere california's life and currently i I believe i'm on my ninth or tenth year of therapy now i've been i've been in therapy for a while and it's done wonders for me some people may be like are you sure about that no trust me even before nowhere came on the air like i was a fucking mess compared to where i'm at now and i have learned a lot about myself during those times that's the best thing about therapy is learning about yourself and one of the biggest things i've learned is my worth and that i should be happy and i'm allowed to be happy and one of those things i kind of sarcastically but genuinely take to heart is whenever i deserve a cookie and here it is um whenever like the shit hits the fan or like how i tell people i had a wall or anything like that i get myself a cookie and that's just kind of getting myself something it can be something small or doing something big and one of the biggest ones i've ever given myself was the trip to london a couple years back and during that trip I was lucky enough to go to Stonehenge and a lot of people leading into the trip told me, Oh my God, you're going to enjoy it because you get to walk along Stonehenge and see this, uh, this iconic structure. It's a structure. Somebody built it. No one knows who the fuck built it, but it got built. As I researched the trip and everything, 
I noticed that there was a special tour that was called the Inner Circle Tour. And I didn't even have to look up the meaning of the Inner Circle Tour. I knew exactly what the hell that meant. You go inside Stone Edge. And I jumped on that very fast. And nothing, there's nothing I would change about that trip, especially the moment standing in the center of Stone Edge on my 37th birthday watching the sunset. That, that is a cookie that I will never forget. And since then, there's been different things like the different collections as I stare in my closet at my pile of Funkos on the shelf of Funkos. Copyright Nowhere, California. And I glance over and I see my box of records and my movies and all that stuff where it's just kind of that quick, like, I I deserve this. But also, too, in the realm of calling it, giving myself a cookie, you don't want to give yourself one, like, every day. You don't want to, like, gorge yourself on it because that's gross. And in the way I'm talking about it right now, that would deplete money very fucking fast. But that's neither here nor there. But let's jump back to the like research of London and everything and the special tour that was the Inner Circle. I've noticed that over the years on certain things I've gone and done, where it's like a concert or anything like that, where there's like VIP packages where I've kind of talked myself out of doing them, which I've regretted instantly as soon as I got to the event or whatever. But most recently, I took a shot at some of them. Like, one, I didn't, and then there was one that I totally did, and I will tell you that story momentarily because that is a moment of my life that is going to be on the highlight reel if your life does flash before your eyes before the end. The time at Jim Henson Studio will be part of that. But before we get there, let's jump to the Pete Holmes show at living at Largo. During my current employment status, I've I've had to figure out ways to entertain myself on my drive. It's an hour drive to and from the casino I work at that I so enjoy working at, if you notice the sarcasm in my voice on that. And as a podcaster, I am a podcaster, been doing this for 12 years, going on 13 years now. I I didn't really have a chance to listen to many podcasts before that time. I would listen to my Kevin Smith ones and everything, but and I short drive, so it wouldn't be really anything to listen to. But now with an hour drive, I need shit to listen to. And during that time, I started listening to the Pete Holmes podcast, You Made It Weird, and really thoroughly enjoyed every episode of it. And realizing through the other podcasts I listened to, his is really an upbeat podcast, and that's not knocking the other podcasts I listen to, like Smodcast, Hollywood Babylon, Fat Man Beyond. Recently delved into Burtcast with Burt Kreischer and other stuff I've listened to, but You Made It Weird has always had like this positive spin towards it and kind of helps with like the frustrations of the drive and frustrations of the day, thinking about the bullshit that goes on in that fucking place. And the comedy of Pete Holmes has jumped on my list of some of my favorites. So during the random episodes I've listened to, he's always talked about a monthly show he's done at Largo in L.A. And with Kim being out of town right now, she's at her sister's, I decided, you know, screw it. I'm going to go see Pete Holmes at Largo. And this is the second time I've gone to Largo. The first time 
was late last year when I went and saw Henry Rollins there, which was one of those VIP pass moments where I wish I I did it. I, I should have done it, and I regret not doing it. But if the opportunity arises again to see Henry Rollins live, I'm taking that fucking VIP pass. But went to Largo and saw Pete Holmes perform and some really great stand-up comics. A lot of them, I can't remember the names right now, but Rory Scoville was there and some just really great comics. But seeing Pete Holmes live and working on his stand-up, because that's kind of what the show is for him, is kind of just workshopping stuff. And as a stand-up comic fan that I am, I've always loved seeing different comics work their sets out and see what they think works, what they think doesn't work, or just just trying, testing the waters and everything. And a lot of the stuff Pete was talking about really worked well but the show was fun the largo is a historic theater in la going back to the time of jazz clubs and lenny bruce and just historic hollywood and everything and it's a blast and if you get a chance to go to largo in la to see anybody there's a large calendar of stand-up comics that play there constantly like from pete holmes to mark maron to freaking sarah silverman to May Martin, there's a lot of people that play there. And if you're a stand-up comic fan, that's a place to go. And it just seems that way with the recent years that more and more stand-ups are taking these theater gigs. And you're not really seeing too many big-name comics hitting like the improvs anymore. Which is not a knock to the stand-up clubs and everything. Because the stand-up clubs are there to get your feet wet and get you going. Get your audience and everything like that. But I would highly recommend checking out. Largo for any stand-up comedy, especially Pete Holmes. Now it's time to delve into, I guess, the main event topic at hand. It's still discussing uh, my adventures in L.A. and my most recent one, which involves me stepping foot on the hollow grounds of the Jim Henson Studios in West Hollywood. But before we get to there, let's cover what got me there, minus my car. Um, over time... On Nowhere California, you've heard me discuss different things I've found on different social media through ads. I've One of the big ones was the discovery of Retro Vault in Calamesa. Recently, an uh, ad popped up for this improv puppet show known as Puppet Up. And the interesting factor is that it is the creation of Brian Henson, the son of Jim Henson. The advertisement was giving details of an upcoming show that's going to take place at the Jim Henson Studios and that there's VIP packages. And as I discussed earlier on this episode, I kind of regret not jumping on certain VIP packages, but as soon as I read the details on this one, I knew I had to dive right in because the VIP package would include preferred parking, preferred seating, a studio tour of the Jim Henson Studios, which is not open to the public. Some major studios do have public tours of their grounds. The Jim Henson Studio does not. So this was a very big factor right there. And also, too, the icing on the cake is the fact that whoever purchases a VIP package would get a puppet. A freaking Henson puppet. Wouldn't be anything like Kermit or anything, but still, a fucking puppet from... The Henson world. And I knew I could not pass it up. So I clicked on the ad and checked around. 
to see what seats were available. And at that time, there were no VIP seats available. A little crestfallen, but I decided to honestly pass on it. At first, I was going to pass on the show. But then a couple days later, I checked again. The VIP seats were open, and I jumped right for them. It, it, the cost was pretty expensive. I'll throw it out here right now that I paid 200 bucks for this package. And as I go into the details of the day and the night that the show took place on, you'll understand why it was worth every freaking cent. But for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to flip the story around because I'm going to start with the show and then I'm going to end with the tour because some pretty insane stuff happened with the tour and you'll understand why I want to cap this part of the episode with the tour. The Puppet Up Improv show took place inside the Charlie Chaplin soundstage. Like I said before, before Jim Henson owned the property, the studio belonged to the legendary Charlie Chaplin. And this was the soundstage where some of his filming took place. It was all set up and ready to roll. The stage was set, tables, chairs, everything was ready to roll. And the show started out with Brian Henson coming out and welcoming everybody and kind of giving us a rundown of what we're going to see and kind of giving us a crash course, I guess, would be the best terminology in the Jim Henson form of puppetry, which basically takes multimedia performance to a new level because you get the camera set up and then the camera set up at an angle where the puppeteer will be underneath the eyeline of the camera but still be able to perform. And that's how the show is going to progress for the night because all around the stage there's giant screens and you can see what the camera sees and that's going to be what the puppeteers will be working towards. But like Brian Henson pointed out too, we get to peek behind the curtain where we can see the performers brainstorm and get into whatever voices they're deciding or if they get that deer in headlights of like, oh shit, where am I going to go with this? You, you, you can see both sides of the curtain on this one. So as Brian Henson finished up his introduction, he introduced the improv performers and the host for the night. And the host was also the guy that Brian brought in to help the puppeteers learn the art of improv. Because in performing, Brian wanted anybody that had a Muppet on their hand or a puppet or working any kind of performance with the Henson Studio to be able to think quickly on their feet. And that led to the development of the Puppet Up show. The show began, uh, the crowd was hot, electric, and everything. I could really just dive into everything, but I'm not, because honestly, the best way to experience this show is to go. As much as I said like before, it was pretty, it was an expensive ticket, but I did do the VIP package and everything. But even if the ticket was cheap as hell, free, or expensive as hell. This was a great show. If you're into improvisational comedy, I said that correctly, hopefully, improvisational comedy, it's worth the ticket. It's worth the ride. Some of the stuff they did was they did like a dating game thing with different puppets and had the audience give traits to the puppets. Um, one point, uh, Patrick Burstrow, the host, uh, went out in the crowd and pulled a couple up to play uh, kind of a storytelling game where 
the puppet. They asked the couple some questions about their about their relationship, and then the puppets would act it out. And then the couple could either ding a bell if they were getting it correct, or hit a buzzer if they were getting it wrong. And it was interesting back and forth, and some awkward moments in their relationship history, and just just really a fun night. At one point early in the night, they said that there was going to be a surprise guest. And we had our intermission, and Kevin Clash came out. He was the voice of Elmo a couple years back, and it was cool seeing him. And he was doing a bit where he was showing off how to loop an image with the puppets and everything. And at one point, he did break into Elmo as he was in the character voice, but then slipped into Elmo and then went back to the character voice. And then somebody in the audience yelled out, I love you, Elmo. And he's like, I don't know who that is. But it was cool. It was really cool seeing Kevin Clash live and see him perform. And then throughout the night, there was more audience participation, such as one point they pulled somebody from the audience to perform with a puppet for the first time with Brian Henson and one of the cast members. Did a pretty good job. It was awkward for the person for that moment, but they pulled it off pretty well to stand on stage with a full-blown Jim Henson puppet, like a Muppet with the little handbars and everything, and he lived. He didn't want to run for the door or anything like that, so got to give that guy credit. The night progressed and everything, and the finale happened, and it was a fun freaking night. As I said before, I can dive into so many details with this, but to experience it would be the better way to understand the show. So... If you want to keep tabs on their touring schedule and just their show schedule, you can go to puppetup.com. That is P-U-P-P-E-T-U-P.com. And then same thing with all their social medias and all that stuff. Just pup it up. That's all you got to remember is pup it up. Now for the tour. The show, like I said, was worth the trip alone. But the fact to be able to step onto the legendary grounds of the Jim Henson studio, which was also owned by Charlie Chaplin. As a movie nerd, as a pop culture history junkie, everything like that, I couldn't pass it up. I got there pretty early, per my usual uh, way, and when I was able to walk on the grounds and everything, I quickly started walking around and noticing everything they had some displays set up talking about the history of the jim henson studio and some of the charlie chaplin stuff and everything like that and then they broke us up into groups just so it wasn't one mass of people roaming the lot because the grounds were pretty small it's a small complex but still a lot to see tour started out in reception where there was a lot of uh, puppets set up where you got to see different things from like Dark Crystal, Farscape. There was uh, Dino Head from the Flintstones movie and uh, Where the Wild Things Are. Then as you kind of peek around the offices and everything, you see more stuff. You see different photos from the Charlie Chaplin days, like one picture showing the studio covered in snow, which the tour guide mentioned has basically never happened since then because of, well, climate change. Because the weather sucks. 
but then you got to see other pictures, different uh, eras from Chaplin's life, and then also do a lot from Jim Henson's world. And then there was a glass case with all the awards, Saturn Awards, Emmys, Walk of Fame, plaques, and you name it, it was in there. And then from there, we moved on to what the tour guide called Bob, which is the big old building, which was kind of basically the executive offices. And the main thing we saw there was the conference room where there was this mural on one of the walls of a theater scene, the Muppet theater scene, the audience, and all of the audience was compiled of every character that Jim Henson created from Grover to the Menomina and Snow. It's up in the balcony was Piggy and Kermit. Jim was even in the crowd too. The tour guide couldn't find him for a moment and I quickly pointed him out. But it was a giant painting, which was awe-inspiring because it was so beautifully done, and you get to see all these characters in one place. From Bob, we went on to kind of more of a just foot route where we passed the schoolhouse of the lot where any kids that were on the productions of Charlie Chaplin would go for school, which is kind of if I remember correctly for that time frame, is a rare thing. From there, we checked out the barn where Charlie Chaplin would make his sets and props, and then later it would become the first creature workshop for the Jim Henson studio. From there, we walked around, checked out the Henson recording studio where a lot of bands have performed. You name it, the band has probably performed there. I didn't get a chance to ask if the Electric Mayhem performed there, but it, I'm almost going to say that's a given that dr teeth and crew were probably there after that let's see it was time for the tour to wrap up and the tour ended in brian henson's office which was pretty amazing as i walked into that room i could kind of feel not really like a weight hit me on the chest but more kind of like a like a thud on my chest where i was like you could feel the history in that room like, stepping on the lot, you could feel like, okay, there's a lot of stories, a lot of life here. But you walk into that office, you feel the history. It hit me like a wall. And it was confirmed really quickly by Brian as he talked about how that office used to be Charlie Chaplin's office. And he kind of gave a rundown of the history of the studio and showed us a lot of props that he had in his office from different movies from like Farscape television series to the crutch that Tim Curry used on Treasure Island and the hat that Tim Curry wore during Muppet Treasure Island that Kermit cut the tip off of it and everything and then kind of showed us different things in the office and I was glancing around at everything he had a lot of clapboards on display like old school clapboards the chalk ones and then like the modern white marker board ones and then you continue talking and like i said i kind of just glanced around at everything there was pictures of his dad sketches of his dad the mantle of the fireplace in the office had a bunch of different little statues of the muppets and everything and brian continued the story of talking about his dad's creations and what they do now and how the studio is still rolling and everything 
at the end of the time in his office, he mentioned that on our way out, they have puppets for us. They gave us a hot dog puppet for being VIP. We paid we paid the amount, so it's kind of cool that we got a free puppet in the mix, too, and he signed it, which makes that even more priceless. On our way out, uh, I took the opportunity to talk to Brian a little bit, and I just quickly asked him, do you have any advice when it comes to creative block or creative doubt? And he could have quickly brushed off the question or just kind of gave a rushed answer, but you can clearly tell he wanted to give me a good answer. He kind of paused and looked around the room and kind of was like, oh, I, I don't know. And then he gave me the answer. And after I left the office and I thanked him and everything, I was thinking about it where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to talk about it here on Nowhere or talk about it in general. But as the night progressed and thinking about it, what he was telling me and everything and the drive home, you can send the hate mail. Um, I, I'm going to keep it for me. Uh, I don't think I'm going to reveal that answer. Like that, that moment meant a lot to me as a lifelong Muppet fan and a person that considers himself a creative person to have such a legend as Brian Henson to talk to and ask this question to and him taking the time to give me the answer he did. I think I'm going to keep it for me. But that, that pretty much wraps it up for my time at the Jim Henson studio. It, it, I really hope it's not a once-in-a-lifetime moment. I really hope I get to go back again. I hope I get to go see the Puppet Up show multiple times. Like I said, the tour did cost some money, but I would do it again in a heartbeat. So I seriously doubt they're ever going to hear this, but every person that was involved with that night, I sincerely, from the depths of my heart, thank you for a moment I'm never going to forget. But that's definitely not the end of this episode, because like I said at the start, this is our 12th anniversary. Scheduling-wise, of course, I'm flying solo. Um, the guys will be back next month with hopefully a good, fun episode. I, I think it's going to be fun. It was the original idea for the anniversary episode, but schedules happen, and then the Henson studio happened, and I, I was itching too much to record about my time at the Jim Henson studio. Anyways, as I talked about at the beginning about giving myself a cookie and give yourself a cookie and everything like that, I can honestly admit that this podcast, Nowhere California, has been one of the greatest cookies of my life. And it's been an interesting one, too. Because sometimes that cookie has been fucking delicious. And then sometimes that cookie turns into a dry oatmeal raisin cookie that's been sitting on the counter for a couple of days and not one, wanting to know why it's there and not even wanting to acknowledge it. With my recent employment switches and situations and everything, it's been a little bit of a tough road creatively for me. But that's the one thing I've learned during this road is that as much as I deserve to be happy and everything, I want to continue with stuff that makes me happy. And no matter where I go in my life and what I do, it could be 
making a big break and being able to be creative for a shit ton of cash and enjoy being creative and making money from it or shouting into the void and not hearing a damn thing back. But I know for a fact, I always want to be creating. I'm an overthinker. It it sucks sometimes, but some of the positives of overthinking are those moments when a story idea pops in my head or something for the podcast pops in my head and I can just dissect it, work on it in my head until I can sit down and put pen to paper or crank away at the keyboard or sit in front of the mic and do this. But there's nothing I would want to change. There's been, It's been close a couple times where I've been more than willing to pull the plug. But I know for a fact, as of right now, the plug's staying in. We're going to get to the 200th episode. And then maybe that would be the crossroads point. We've talked about it before. But I'm just going to reiterate it here. I love this. I love doing this. And I love everyone I've done this with and continue to do this with. I can go into the normal anniversary episode bullshit of starting to name names and everything like that. But you know who you are. If you have had a moment with Nowhere California and we've stayed in contact or we've hit like or love on any of your posts or anything like that and continue to let the world know about your work, how small or how big, you know we got your back until the plug gets pulled on us. For the longest time, I have felt a need to keep my emotions in check and locked up and all that stuff. And over the past couple of years, I've been kind of letting that door open a little bit more. And that's been kind of a weird sensation. And knowing I can be myself in front of this mic and probably do more of these solo episodes because this was kind of fun. If you can't tell, I've been doing this for like the last four or five days. Work schedule sucks, but I wanted to do this. I, I have felt creatively stagnant lately, but I wanted to take a shot on myself. And as this episode really hasn't unfolded the normal way a Nora California anniversary episode unfolds, I kind of have this feeling I could throw out some unsolicited advice to whoever may be listening to this that may be down in themselves and understand that as much as this might come off as self-critical to myself or knocking myself or anything like that, it's the honest truth I feel. And I look at it as a positive that over the life of nowhere california i've pulled off some pretty impressive stuff i've gone to hawaii i've gone to london i've done a lot of stuff behind this mic and talked to some people that i've never thought in a million years i'd talk to and now going to jim henson studios it's interesting when you put that doubt aside and you take that step forward and take a shot for yourself and honestly if you're listening to this and you have that doubt Look at me. And this is not like, put a spotlight on me. It's like, no, look at me and understand that I am one of those hyper self-critical people that put that arrow towards themselves and dissect themselves way too much. But over time, you can get past it and work on it. I know I still have a long run to go before not being that way anymore. But 
knowing I've done this for 12 years now and I've done so many different things, I'm so damn proud of myself. And you can be too. I guess this would be the moment to throw in that more you know music or anything like that. But just know that if you take a shot for yourself, the payoff will be there and will be unexpected probably, but it will be so worth it. And I think that's about it on this one. This is kind of a different anniversary episode for us, for me, where I didn't sit here and just run off about, oh, made it a love fest for everybody. Because like I said before, you know who you are. We love you. We love our listeners. We love everybody that has crossed paths with us in the convention world, which we hope to return to very soon. And that we continue to talk to online and enjoy our work and we enjoy their work. And that's about it, honestly. So we are starting our 13th year. Take the ride with us. Let us know what you think. But for now, this has been Josh. This has been the 12th anniversary celebration for Nowhere, California. And as always, and forever, be excellent to each other.